Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. Thanks for being part of the conversation. Live, 21st century television, right? Live and interactive. Add your comments. You know, this is a discussion. So I want to hear your comments. Add your questions. Even if this is a replay that you're watching, go ahead. We keep track of comments. Always like to uh, respond back. Hear from uh, what what you think as well. I want to start today with uh, more economic news. The hits just keep coming. January data is out, and it shows that housing starts, single-family residences, dropped significantly in January versus December. Now, maybe that's a little bit seasonal. Could be uh, could be a leading indicator of a recession because housing starts tend to be a leader, right? If you see housing drop, housing starts dropping. A lot of times that's a leading indicator that a recession is coming or, or helps trigger because construction is such a huge part of the U.S. economy. There's some other trends going on there, though. I'm checking some notes here to get the right information to you. So <clears throat> uh, one of the trends, though, is to multifamily construction. So condos, apartments, that has been staying uh, not is more stable. Right. So you're looking at a 5.6 percent drop in single family residences. 2.7% drop in multifamily. So there's other trends that are pushing things towards multifamily, but not a good indicator given that both are coming down. You know, take like the state of California, they are making it more and more difficult and adding more disincentives. It's a stated policy that they want to um, make a shift from single family homes to multifamily because for uh, their climate change improvement program they want to have uh, as many people as possible living in higher density housing on um on on their government run um transportation corridors you know trains buses and whatnot and living and working as close to home as possible so that they're not driving vehicles which they say are bringing about climate change so those types of trends push more towards uh push some of the single family residence numbers down overall indicator to watch because if it's a trend then something you know if it's something we see a month two months then three months that could be signs of we're heading into a recession so what are you going to do in case of a recession right inflation is a huge problem now take a look at this inflation for the construction industry has been a big problem because this is tracking the cost of plywood which is used a lot in construction as you might uh Imagine, so follow the cursor. So here was what happened. So this is in 2020 here, right? So you're looking at like $410, peaking at $460 plus per board foot. But during the Great Recession, it doubled. Dropped down again. 2021 is we're coming out of the Great Recession when we're having the, the supply chain shortages plus a boost in construction rebounding from everything being locked down and shut down in 2020 look at this it jumps up over 1600 almost 1700 per board foot now at that time i was talking to um to colleagues in the construction industry for example one of the things that i heard was a sheet of plywood right as you might use to to put on a wall frame a floor a sheet of plywood went from like $40 to $190 if you could get them because of the supply chain disruptions. They were having trouble getting them. They were getting half of what they ordered 30 days late. So that's that's what you're seeing at this peak here. 
So then things normalized as we would expect. Bring you back to the chart here. Things normalized a little bit as we expect. Never really got back to what uh, what we saw in the this normal economy. It's what we call the normal economy, or was the pre-COVID economy, pre-great pre-great lockdown economy. Let's call it that. Uh, so in the pre-great lockdown economy, we never really returned to that. Um, got kind of close, got down to 400 and oh, wait, let me see, geez, got my reading glasses on, still having a hard time seeing this for you. So it's down to 496, right? Which is still good 15, 20% above what it was prior to the great lockdown. But now look at where we're at here again, we're at 1290 per board foot. So now we're getting back up into, into that, you know, tripling of what it cost to buy plywood and this is just one example of construction materials you know plywood is three times as expensive as it was before the great lockdown in uh, say 2019 even early 2020 it really dropped down look at this it bottomed out at 257 pre-great lockdown in um, well or in the midst of the great lockdown but that was when everything was pretty much getting shut down april 2020 but again, we're at three times what it was before. So that kind of price pressure is causing problems with, oh, <clears throat> pardon my $10 bifocals there. That kind of cost pressure is causing problems with the construction industry and as uh, in disincentive to build because it's making it uh, less profitable. Supplies are still disrupted some. But still, how, you know, how are you preparing for more inflation, which is here to stay, the Fed has announced that they're going to do even more radical um, interest rate increase in March than they had planned. They're going to go doing more faster uh, to try to stop this incredible inflation that we're having. Almost 10% for producers, you know, at the wholesale level, the material materials level, and seven and a half percent for consumers. That's craziness, right? That has a big impact when the target is a max of three percent for the Fed. So looking at going, it is near you know it's approaching three times what they want what they want it to be as a maximum for a healthy economy interest rates going up increasing the cost of money all right the cost to borrow money for your business is one way they slow stuff down to put pressure on on prices bring prices uh, to bring inflation under control whether or not that'll work or whether or not that'll push us back into a stagflation scenario like we had in the late 70s early 80s where we had high interest rates you know, interest rates 10, 15, 18, 20, 18%. Right. Imagine not 3%. You know, right now it's uh, home loans are still under 30 year home loan is still under 4% interest. Imagine if that goes to 18% like it did in late 70s, early 80s. Uh, inflation 12, 16%. Right. So think about that. You know, that <clears throat> in hiring. The economy, slow growth, stagflation, right? Again, how are you preparing for that? What are you doing to, and let's talk internally, right? You know, one of the things is you, you prepare on the market side. Got some notes here I'm going to take a look at for you. Um, <clears throat> but what happens if, um, you know, what happens if that becomes a scenario? Your cost of borrowing goes to 15% and everything that you're buying is increasing 2% per month. What are you going to do? You know, how, how are you going to manage that? How have you been preparing for that? Large organizations have, uh, have can absorb some of the costs. They can lay people off to control, you know, 
to um, to take a quick haircut as they like to say makes it sound like it's all doesn't really hurt anybody right oh we'll just take a haircut no that means businesses are failing right people like you you're an entrepreneur you understand how hard that is on your side of that equation i certainly do <clears throat> been there trust me and so large organizations can can adapt a little bit short term not so much long term you've got an advantage though because you're you're running a mid-sized business a large small business and you can adapt faster right You've got an opportunity to scale in 2022. How are you going to do that with high inflation, possibly high cost of money, high interest rates, and needing to, you know, really control costs? And that's a challenge in scaling anyway. How do you scale your business without adding a lot of cost, <clears throat> right? Bring in another dollar. How, how do you bring in, how do you get revenue to go up faster than cost is going up? That's what I wanted to talk about with you today. A little bit on that. You know, if you can, if you can, Take the biggest challenge area in your business or the biggest leverage point in your business and make a dramatic improvement to that. Let's say 30 days. Let's get crazy and take a really long time, 45 days. Would you want to learn more about how to do that? You know, the, the, the case study that I use in my book that, that's coming up, uh, we reset, we had a, a factory. Now, if you run a service company, Bear with me. This applies to you as well. This was in a factory uh, in Los Angeles that was having a hard time with rising costs. <clears throat> and they were considering leaving the Los Angeles area. And they're looking at it going, look, we need, we need to, to get our costs under control. And we, uh, you know, we, if you can make it profitable enough, we'll stay. So we targeted their biggest production line. They had, they had three assembly lines in this facility. They had a big fabrication area. So they, they bring raw metal in or bending metal and stamping, you know, stamping sheet metal, assembling it in a product that they sent out. And they've got three different production lines that they did. Some paint operations. So as, as part of that, some of the parts had to be painted. So we took their biggest production line, highest volume, biggest dollar volume through the business and worked with their team to reset it in two weeks. Then we were able to reduce, imagine this, two weeks, from start to finish to be able to get 40% productivity gain to cut operating costs 60% on the production line and dramatically we, we increased their flexibility by 80%. So what that means is they could adapt, they could change what they were making for their customers. So a customer makes the changes in order, the time that took them to get that product in and off the assembly line was reduced by 80%. So they were much more flexible to changes in customer demand, customer requests. So they could accommodate customers on special requests a lot more. And if there was a change in the marketplace, they could um, they could adapt by either making more quickly, making more or less without disrupting the production lines. It took um, a long time to make that happen um, before. So imagine 80%, only two weeks. Let it run for another two weeks so that their accounting folks, they had a cost accounting department since it's a uh, factory, common, excuse me, large enough to do that. Um, 90,000 square feet, 180 plus uh, employees in cost accounting validated. Yeah, this is, uh, these, these are the correct numbers. So imagine being able to do that. So let's, let's call that 30 days. Well, let's make it 45 because we did some pre-work on that. To, to know what could be done before teaching their people how to do it, training them how to do it. And then they went through the rest of their company 
well, the master plan that, that had been laid out for that company. But here's the thing. It was possible to make a dramatic improvement in less than 30 days for that area. So their, their revenue per employee on that assembly line more than doubled in less than 30 days by managing the internal, the systems. See, that's a key to being able to scale your business is the systems. And I don't mean software. You know, we've, we, it's not just software. That's part of it. It's what we do online and offline. You know, what's the whole, what are the steps that you go through to create the, and deliver the value that your customers are paying you for? That's the system. And you need to have systems in order to be able to scale. You need to be able to adapt systems in order to be able to scale, right? If you don't have a system, it's going to at best hamper, most likely defeat your, your attempt to fail, or not fail. It's going to most, I'm sorry, you will fail because it's all, it's chaos. Without systems, there's total chaos. You don't know where to plug more people in to get more stuff out as you're scaling up the business, right? So it's spending money in a very inefficient way. It's a very inefficient processes, very inefficient growth. It won't stick. That's why there's a 70% failure rate, according to Ken Blanchard companies, on uh, change initiatives within, within companies in the United States. Don't be one of the 70%. It's quite simple to not be. The first step in that is knowing where you've got the best leverage within your company. As you're scaling your company, if you add another zero to your comp to, to your sales, right? Order magnitude increase. When we're talking about scale, talking order magnitude increase, not just talking three, four, five, even 10% growth. <clears throat> if you add another, another zero to your sales, where's your biggest problem? Now it could be on sales and marketing. Yeah. You gotta have systems for sales and marketing. It could be internally in the delivery of what you have, what you, what you provide to your customers. You know, if it's a service where you get more people, to deliver the service, you know, how much more, how much more volume can your people handle in delivering the service before it starts to degrade the quality before they don't have the time to adequately serve customers could be in your customer service, right? If, you, if you've been on the phone lately with your, with your cable company or your phone company or fill in the blank, right? There's a lot of big organizations that have be that for decades have been stand up comedian targets because they're so bad at customer service. You're on the phone for hours, you get different, you know, uh, <clears throat> different answers from different people. Nobody seems to know what's going on. And um, I had a scenario with our cable company. We went, went round and round about an issue for four months, spent close to five hours on the phone. The last time that I talked to him, I was on the phone for over an, almost an hour and a half, talked to five different people. And by the time I got to the last person, the last person told me they had no record of the problem that we've been talking about for months ever having occurred and that it, they basically just didn't move. They nullified the whole thing. So we didn't get to, didn't get to implement the change that we were trying to make to our account with them. And uh, it's a shame, you know, we we're trying to do more business with them, but they, they couldn't seem to put that together. You know, what kind of experience do your customers have? So that's part of your capacity planning. You know, in a factory, it's tangible things. You see parts going together. So it's maybe a little bit clearer than in a service. The same thing happens whether it's customer service, whether it's software delivery, whether it's it's writing code, whether you're offering software as a service. There's a capacity issue there in terms of in terms of the customer experience. Think of it that way. What is your customer experience when you buy a car? 
what is your customer experience when you're using a piece of critical, you know, business critical software? What is your experience when you're dealing with customer service or one of your leadership team is, is talking with you about the experience they're having with one of the suppliers you work with on the, their customer service experience, right? What do you want to create within your company? So you look at that. Where's your biggest opportunity for benefiting your customer and benefiting your business? And those two have to go together, customer first, but also really can't say a close second. It, 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 there is no first and second. It is both about what benefits the customer and benefits you, your business the most. And you can add a third third leg in there if you like, you know, what benefits you as the business owner as well and moves you closer to where you're headed, your goals and objectives. That's the first step in implementing that kind of rapid systems development, systems change. And then again, not software systems, but physical system plus software, okay, in delivering value to your customer. If you can do that in 30 days, you want to hear, wouldn't you want to learn more about it? Uh, if you would, if, if you think there's any chance that that might even be real or you want to, or you want to say, nah, I don't know. I don't know if that's real, but tell me some more. Shoot me an email at info at adventureceo.com and say, okay, even if you're not buying it, say, hey, I'm not buying it, but I want to hear more because if it was possible, you'd want to know, wouldn't you? Right. So this isn't, isn't a sales tactic or anything. This is just a, we'll give you some more information on what are those steps? You know, what does that look like? How you go about that? So this is Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. Thanks for joining us. That's the tip for today. You know, we like to do an on this day as well in history. And this ties into our into our conversation today. On this day in history, the first volume of the six-volume history of the called the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire was, was released in 1776. On this day in 1776. And that's relevant to you and your company because... Part of the problem, one of the big issues, that the big themes that came out of that is the Roman Empire declined. And because that was a huge empire, it occurred over a period of time. The author had said, you know, the question isn't why did they fall? The question is why did they last so long? Because it seemed that they should have failed faster earlier. It took a while for it to build up. And it's like a lot of things in life, right? It built up, it built up, it built up. And then there was a sudden, what seems sudden and dramatic, and going, oh my gosh, how'd that happen so quick? You know, it happened overnight. After, you know, it only took a couple hundred years to happen overnight. The problem was they failed internally first and then were invaded and failed. Ex you know, their failure was accelerated by external threats and attacks that they then couldn't respond to any longer because they had they had failed so much internally. They lost their way internally. They de uh, derailed from their core values, which made them a great empire to begin with the leadership lost its focus on serving their people. They focused on bread and circuses. You may have heard that phrase, you know, a lot of bread and circuses to distract the citizens from the real problems that needed to be resolved in order to be viable as a Republic to bread and circuses to distract people from the things they needed to do as citizens, their responsibilities as citizens, right? Because they're feeding them bread feeding them entertainment. They got, uh, they're getting food, they're getting money from the government and they're getting entertainment at the arena and they're going, okay, fine. Someone else will take care of it. So that was part of that internal decay that happened slowly happens in organizations as well. 
can happen in smaller smaller organizations. Um, certainly can see it in very large organizations, in really big companies. That's why the Fortune 500 is constantly changing. You know, it's market forces, but really the market is always dynamic. It's always changing. Those large companies can't stay in the Fortune 500 because they can't adapt fast enough. They're too focused on internally on what's going on. They're too, they've got their own version of bread and circuses going on because they're, they're competing. It's human behavior, right? Your people, you get a bunch of alpha level men and women that are competitors. They're looking to, they, they lead, they're looking to be the best they want to be part of a team of the best. They're going to compete with each other. And that's positive in some in some dimensions. And it's negative if left out of control. This is why systems are so important because it guides that energy within your company. It keeps people on track. It keeps things consistent with the values you founded the company on that has made it a great organization that has made it valued by your customers, right? It helps make it easier for your leadership team to screen out things that shouldn't be done. It makes it possible to recruit and attract the right people. Okay. So beware of bread and circuses. Start small. There's little things that gets distracted within negative competition, bad attitudes. You know, you've seen it, right? You've experienced it. So beware of that because it will eventually collapse your business from the inside out. You won't be able to scale. As you scale, it will build critical faults in which will be your undoing as your company gets bigger because all of a sudden something that's a crack becomes a canyon and won't have time or resources to fix it. So beware of that systems again, help prepare against that because it keeps things guided, moving in the right direction. Something that can be tweaked and adapted when things, when you're not getting the result that you need, right? So it makes it easier for your leadership team to do what you need them to do. It makes it easier for you to monitor that makes it easier for you to focus on what you need to do. So that's today's Wolf Watch. I'm Wolf. Thanks for being part of the conversation. And I look forward to seeing you on the trail.